Dr. Isaac, dial zero. The Brent Community Healthcare System presents Hospital Insider, the podcast. Your host is Gary Chalk, the retired director of public affairs for the Brandt Community Healthcare System, a newspaper columnist, and former radio broadcaster. The podcast features conversations with members of the medical staff, the caregivers, volunteers, the leadership team, and donors of the Brantford General Hospital and the Willett Hospital in Paris. Listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, will inform and educate you about hospital care. So please share this podcast with your family and friends and encourage them to subscribe as well. Remember, if it has to do with hospital care in Brantford, Paris, and throughout Brant County, we will talk about it on Hospital Insider, the podcast. Welcome. This is the third episode now of Hospital Insider, the podcast. This is Gary Chalk. It's the winter holiday season. As we record this podcast, we look outside the window and we see lots of snow. So I guess that's the precursor of what we're going to see for the next number of months. And it being the holiday season, this year a young Branford family, a mom, the father, and their their eight-month-old baby daughter are going to be celebrating their very first Christmas as a family. And you want to keep listening to this podcast. Their story is truly a Christmas miracle. And what's interesting about this Christmas miracle is that it's all about a Branford family, the life-saving care that they received at the Branford General Emergency Department from an emergency physician who grew up in Branford. Part of their care was provided by medical equipment and technology purchased by local residents through the Hospital Foundation. And the Hospital Foundation is led by a person who many years ago had her life saved at the Brantford General Hospital Emergency Department. It's quite an incredible local Christmas miracle. Joining me in the studio today for Hospital Insider, the podcast, two of the guests who played a role in this Christmas miracle, Dr. Laura Schutz, an emergency physician at the Brantford General. Welcome. Thank you, Gary. And also Carrie Wilson, the executive director of the Brant Community Healthcare System Foundation. Welcome. Thank you, Gary. Now, before we hear about the role that Laura and uh, Carrie have in this Christmas miracle, let's learn perhaps a little bit more about them. Laura, you were born, in fact, at the Brantford General Hospital. Yeah, that's right. You went to North Park Collegiate. I did, indeed. You played every and all sport. What was your favorite? Uh, soccer was my big sport once I got to high school. I played a lot of soccer and went on to do that at McMaster, playing varsity soccer there too. Excellent. After um, North Park, as you say, you went to McMaster and then uh, you studied in Ottawa, Kingston. What did you ever, was it always in your plan to come back to Brantford to, uh, to practice emergency medicine? Heck no. <laughs> Being very honest, no. Um, I didn't anticipate this at all. Uh, I, I thought I would work probably at a tertiary care center and be an academic uh, physician, um, but life takes you in interesting ways sometimes. And we'll learn about that through this podcast. Carrie Wilson is the director of the, uh, the Hospital Foundation. You lead a, a team that's responsible for raising millions of dollars every year that are required to purchase some leading edge uh, medical equipment for staff and physicians such as Dr. Shute to, uh, to use. I'll bet you never thought you'd be working at the same hospital in a leadership role uh, where you came as a youngster, your parents brought you here, 
um, quite a traumatic experience. Can you just briefly tell us about that? Certainly. Um, uh, you're very accurate, Gary. I spent most of my uh, young adult career trying to stay out of the hospital and my childhood staying out of the hospital. And then I ended up uh, now a 21-year career at, at the BCHS. Um, when I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, in fact, the age of my daughter now, um, I have allergies and asthma. And uh, through a, an unfortunate set of circumstances in the community, I experienced an anaphylactic seizure, uh, a quite acute episode of an anaphylactic seizure and uh, I was rushed to the emergency department at the Brantford General uh, where they were able to stabilize me and I was sent to McMaster and I was hospitalized for the summer in fact. Um, but it was really through the care of the Brantford General Emergency Department uh, that even the, the physicians at McMaster credited their care and their intervention to have me survive on that ambulance trip to McMaster and be able to be here today to speak of it. So I'm very grateful and as is my family. I think everybody's glad everybody is here today. So let's talk about this Christmas miracle, this local Christmas miracle. It involves uh, Lily and Steve. They welcome their, their first child, who is a healthy baby, uh, baby girl. She was named Macy. Everyone was doing well, discharged, gone home. And 11 days later, mom, Lily, wasn't feeling well. And so she had Stephen bring her up to the emergency room at the Brantford General. And almost uh, immediately when she arrived, she collapsed. She was in the waiting room. At an event a couple of months ago, Steve spoke about that night in the emergency department when Lily collapsed. Here's what he said. He said, I was shocked. I yelled for help. Within seconds, two nurses arrived. Overhead, I heard the announcement, code blue. Suddenly, there were nurses and security. They placed Lily in a gurney, rushed her into the emergency department. I was terrified. I was taken to a quiet room to await the news of what had happened to Lily. Dr. Schutz, you were the physician, one of uh, all the staff in the emergency department that night who heard the code blue overhead. You rushed to the, to the, uh, the waiting room. Can you describe what you saw when you arrived? Yeah, I arrived to find a very young woman uh, collapsed on the floor. She had vomit coming out the side of her mouth. She was gray in color, and it looked like she was seizing. Uh, I remember screaming to uh, help, we need a backboard, we need a stretcher, and I immediately had a multitude of hands sort of plunking her up onto a stretcher while I tried to hold her airway open and uh, ran backwards with the stretcher with a, an ESA sort of bear hugging me, both running backwards into the ER. It actually felt like a moment on Grey's Anatomy, and uh, we all know how, yes. you know, reaching those shows can be. Um, in the seconds it took her up, it took to get her into the department, thrusting her airway, checking her pulses, we put her on a monitor and realized several things at the same time. Um, she was dead, so she didn't have a pulse, and her heart wasn't beating. Um, she wasn't breathing, therefore, because she didn't have a pulse. And we recognized that uh, while her heart wasn't beating, she was in one of the scariest electrical rhythms uh, you can get, which is called ventricle fibrillation, or V-fib. So within seconds, you arrive in the emergency department en masse. The entire team starts to pitch in. Describe what, what happened. Yeah, so we had an incredible team that night. And if I can be pretty bold to say this, our nurses and team worked pretty amazingly. I remember in seconds, even before we arrived, the nurses had a room cleared. They had the crash cart at the bedside. 
ready for us. They had two large IVs in within seconds. Uh, I remember using electricity to try to get Lee's heart restarted again. Um, I remember intubating her on my first attempt while my colleague, Dr. Sandy Lands, who was there that night, uh, used an ultrasound machine to look at her heart and see if we could determine why she had arrested. And despite all of the potential for chaos in a situation like this with a young woman that has died in front of us, um, I would say that our resuscitation was slow and smooth and smooth is fast and that's sort of how it's described in the ER world and I would say we we achieved that that night and we were lucky to to have worked so well as a team and sort of with some out-of-the-box thinking and a lot of collaboration and teamwork we were able to get Lily's heart beating again uh, get her vitals stabilized and uh, figured out with the help of Hamilton that she likely had a very rare diagnosis of a coronary artery dissection and this was all done within minutes of her collapse. Interesting. At some point, you have to go to see Steve, who's waiting anxiously, as he said, he was terrified, understandably. And you had to tell him what had happened to Lily and describe what the next steps were. Yeah, these are moments any ER doc does not enjoy. Um, I remember speaking to Steve and breaking the news to him that Lily had died, but that we had brought her back to life and that we needed to transfer her to Hamilton so she could get an angiogram to confirm the diagnosis of coronary artery dissection. And I remember telling the nurses that I was going in the ambulance with her and there was no way that I was going to let Lily die again on my watch if I could help this. She was my sister's age. She had an 11-day-old baby at home at that time and she was way too young to die. Interesting story. Uh, Dr. Schutz and the emergency staff obviously did remarkable work that night. They saved a woman's life and doing so ensured that the, that the young infant grew up knowing, knowing her parents, her mother. And as I said at the outset, the staff used some medical equipment that was purchased using locally raised fundraising dollars. Uh, there was a bedside ultrasound machine. There was a patient transport monitor that uh, was used in the ambulance when uh, Dr. Schutz accompanied Lily to Hamilton. And as I said, what is important that, that this equipment existed and was, was so required uh, because of fundraising conducted by the Brant Community Healthcare System Foundation. So this is where we turn to Carrie and her side of the story. Carrie is the director of the foundation. It's your role to oversee a group of uh, staff and mostly volunteers in our area to raise money for the equipment that was used in this case for Lily, but other numerous areas throughout both the Brantford General and the Willa. Why do hospitals have to rely on fundraising to get much needed important technology? So fundraising is critically important uh, in the healthcare environment, and uh, contrary to, to some people's understanding of, of the situation, the, the funding model from the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care does not sufficiently fund the purchase of patient equipment uh, and capital redevelopment uh, in the hospital environment. So foundations uh, are relied upon by hospitals and their administration to help to raise funds necessary to purchase those pieces of critical patient equipment. And uh, Certainly the ultrasound and the transport monitors are, are both examples of that. In fact, our foundation, um, when we look at the process that the hospital follows, so they do a call out every year 
for new and replacement pieces of patient equipment that are needed in the healthcare environment. Um, technology, just like your home computer, has about a seven to 10 year shelf life. And so every seven to 10 years, that patient equipment needs to be replaced. And so the hospital does a great job of keeping a long list of what all of those pieces of patient equipment are. And that list these days comes to the total approximately of about $7 million a year. Of required equipment. Of required pieces of patient equipment to, to, to provide the tools to our caregivers, to give the tools to Dr. Schutz so that she can um, do accurate assessments of patients who come into our emergency department. And so it's really our privilege in the foundation to work with our donors and help to increase this understanding um, and appeal to our community to help to bridge that gap so that we have the best quality healthcare system locally as we possibly can. It's interesting. I think you said that the portable ultrasound machine was approximately $50,000? About that. The ultrasound machine itself is about $50,000. Each probe that is required uh, for an ultrasound machine can be anywhere from five dollars to $10,000 a piece as well. So that brings us now to this time of year that the uh, foundation are are organizing and uh, executing their annual fundraising campaign around the holiday season. It's called the 12 Days of Giving. You've done this for a number of years now. We have. This is, in this version of a rendition, this is our fifth year. We've had a couple of different versions of a holiday appeal. Um, We in the foundation and most fundraising programs uh, in not-for-profits experience their greatest giving at the holiday season. So we've always had a program, but the 12 Days of Giving is a little bit more unique. Uh, It's a special program and one that we get to celebrate with our staff the great news and the great outcomes that are happening in our local healthcare system every day. And one of the aspects of the 12 Days of Giving is the partnership with the Brantford Expositor. Do you want to describe that relationship of what the Expositor does uh, on behalf of the foundation with the the patient stories you refer to? Certainly. So um, starting on, you'll see a a full-page wrap, if you will, uh, on November 28th in the Brantford Expositor. And that's uh, sharing the information of what we're fundraising for, for this upcoming year and some of the recent news from the Brant Community Healthcare System. But starting on December 3rd, for 12 straight days that the Expositor publishes, you'll see 12 unique patient stories. And these are patient stories everywhere from our family birthing center experiences to the emergency department to cancer care and even palliative care. And these are telling, uh, these are individuals who have come to us who are patients or their families who want to express their gratitude and have told us the great experiences that they've had in our health care system. The Expositor um, publishes those for us, and then we also feature those online on their digital product. And it's a phenomenal program that we're very, very grateful to this partnership with the Expositor and Post Media, because it also goes into the Paris Star, because it's certainly a program we wouldn't be able to afford to pay for ourselves. So it is sponsored. There are generous sponsors in the community who come on board. And our partnering sponsor this year is the Cooperator, so Ken and Robin McNaughton, their insurance agency. So do you have an overall goal that you strive for, either from a a monetary perspective or for a piece of technology or equipment? Uh, So this year, all of our fundraising is focusing in a couple of different areas uh, for our foundation. One is being the redevelopment of the emergency department that we did receive approval from the Ministry of Health to proceed with. We're in stage two of a five-stage process for that redevelopment. And the foundation is uh, required to fundraise for 10% of the local 
local share of that uh, redevelopment. So that's the bricks and mortar. Uh, as well, we're also required to fundraise for furnishings, fixtures, and patient equipment for our emergency department. So we're working towards a $7 million goal for our emergency department redevelopment, but we're also looking to raise another $2 million for a CT scanner in our community. Um, that's what we understand to be the most highly utilized diagnostic modality uh, for, uh, for the emergency department, given that we are a regional stroke center. Um, and so it's a critical piece of patient equipment that we are also fundraising for. The 12 days of giving itself, um, we look to raise about $30,000 from the sponsorships. Um, and then in addition to that, we do anticipate that uh, we have a goal of approximately $50,000 from the mailer itself to be, uh, to be able to achieve some of those fundraising programs. So over to Dr. Schutz with regards to the CT scanner. Physicians in the emergency department obviously require this piece of equipment extensively. Absolutely. Every single day we require this. And our CT scanner in its current state is unfortunately very overused for its age, and as a result, it does break down. And having CT downtime, whether it's planned or unplanned, is extraordinarily challenging for our community. It means patients have to get transferred to Cambridge for scans or other hospitals. We have to wait and hold them for periods of time until the CT scanners back up. Um, so not only do we need a new one, but we could use a second one for the volumes that we're seeing in our hospital that is bursting. I remember when I was uh, working with the Brantford General that uh, there were times other organizations were sending their patients from their cities to Brantford because they were experiencing the difficulties that, that you're describing. And uh, as a result, it doesn't enhance patient care per se. You have to quickly move into Plan B. Correct, yeah. So the campaign continues. How do people donate to the 12 Days of Giving? So there's plenty of different opportunities to donate. Uh, first and foremost, individuals can visit bchsdonate.com, and that'll take you straight to our donation page, and uh, electronically you can make a donation. If, however, you'd like to call our foundation office, uh, one of those wonderful staff members that you spoke about earlier, Gary, will be more than happy to help anyone, and uh, our phone number is 519-751-5510, and uh, we're happy to take your information and share with you some of the, uh, the needs uh, if you have any questions about your donation as well. As I mentioned, uh, there will be mailers that will be going out to the community and uh, you can keep an eye out in the Brantford Expositor. There will be donation forms and an opportunity to donate through that piece of uh, paper as well. So we heard it here first on Hospital Insider, the podcast, where we're out looking for upwards of $7 million to to go towards the expansion and the redevelopment of the Brantford General Hospital uh, emergency department that treats almost 60,000 patients a year. That, that's a, a number that's difficult to even imagine, but at any rate, that's the significance of the service that uh, is required throughout our community. So let's conclude Hospital Insider, the podcast. It's only our third episode, but we've already established a tradition now that we have a, a round of this and that. This is where we get to ask questions. Both Dr. Schutz and Carrie do not know the questions, and, but they've agreed to be good sports, and they'll give it their best shot. So this and that. First question, all based around the, uh, the holiday season. Laura, Christmas tree, real or fake? Real. Real? Why is that? So... Growing up, actually, I've always had a fake tree. My dad has uh, some chronic lung problems and is very allergic and couldn't have a real tree in our house. So now that I'm out on our own, despite actually living with them currently because my house is under construction, <laughs> <laughs> I have the ability to have a real tree and it smells so good that uh, 
we do it. Yeah. Good. Carrie, real or fake? So sadly fake because I'm that person with the lung problem. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Second question. We'll start with you, Carrie. Christmas, the big meal. Is it Christmas Eve with the family or extended relatives and uh, friends? Or is that uh, Christmas lunch hour or Christmas dinner in the evening? Christmas dinner at my house, and I love to cook. So it's always, uh, we're always the hosting family. Laura. So I'm a shift worker, and uh, being young and not having children myself, I often volunteer to work on Christmas so other people can be with their young kiddos. Yep. So our family's Christmas has changed. My sister's also a nurse and often also works on Christmas. So sometimes our Christmas is, you know, the Sunday before Christmas, we have our big dinner, or if it's the day of, we'll, we'll do it Christmas night is the classic tradition, but it all depends on when we're working. Is it Christmas cake or Christmas pudding? Neither. Yeah. Neither, I would Neither? say. More just traditional dessert, or you're just too full to have dessert? I don't know. Pot, <laughs> pies or yep. uh, crisp. Yeah. I don't think we have pudding or, or cake, though. Mm. Carrie? We don't do either as well. No? Although rum sauce is fine. But. <laughs> On its own. <laughs> you're around. How about uh, going to bed as youngsters on Christmas Eve? Did you give a, a, a snack to Santa? Carrots or... Uh, or uh, milk and cookies, Carrie? Uh, absolutely. There's a very strong Christmas tradition on Christmas Eve. There's one gift plus new pajamas for Christmas. Uh, and then there is, uh, there's reindeer food because we have to take care of those reindeers as well. And uh, cookies and milk for Santa. Laura? Very similar traditions at my house. Always new pair of pajamas on Christmas Eve and... Uh, snacks for Santa depends on how old we were and whether or not we knew who Santa was. <laughs> <laughs> and what Santa liked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of people like to uh, binge watch television or uh, go to movies. So there's there are many Christmas movies over the years. But uh, Doctor Shoots, Charlie Brown's Christmas, or Grinch stealing Christmas. Ooh, I'll watch either of them. Both are good. Yeah. Carrie? I'm the Grinch. The Grinch? <laughs> you are the Grinch or you enjoy uh, no, watching? No, I enjoy watching the oh, Grinch. Oh, okay. The original. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the original. Agreed. Carrie, uh, as we conclude the uh, Hospital Insider Podcast Edition 3 today, can you just reconfirm uh, how people can make the donation this year, the, the much-needed money that's required through the 12 days of giving? Absolutely. Individuals can visit us online through www.bchsdonate.com to make their gift electronically, or they can call our foundation office at 519-751-5510. You can also respond to the mailer that's going to be going to households or visit uh, the Brantford Expositor and take a look at the November 28th uh, feature in the Expositor, which will have a donate page. Carrie, thank you for coming out today and for the good work and uh and hopefully it's a good campaign this year. Absolutely. Thank you. Laura, thanks for your participation, and uh, thank you for the work that you do on behalf of those 60,000 people who uh, rely on you and a number of other uh, physicians and trained staff in the emergency department year-round. We appreciate that. Thanks, Gary. In closing, we want to thank Steve and Lily and their happy, healthy, bouncing baby Macy for allowing us to tell their story. And as I say, Dr. Schutz and Carrie Wilson, thanks for joining Everybody, happy holidays, and most importantly, a happy first Christmas for Steve, Lily, and eight-month-old Macy. Thanks for listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, a presentation of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. 
Hospital Insider, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting forum. Please press subscribe, and you will always be up to date with Hospital Insider, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please pass it along to your friends. Encourage them to subscribe as well. It's appreciated. In two weeks, we'll return with a new episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast with Gary Chalk. Thank you for listening. I'm Sandy Bishop.